I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wokecast. Joining me, as always, the woman with uh, what, what is it? I'm, what is it I'm saying here this week? <laughs> I'm just just talking out my ass. Let's That's start okay. from the top. <laughs> I support this. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we should just go full throttle. They know who you are. Every week you join me. It's G. That's right, Mike. They know what it is. They know who it is. They know what's up. What's going on? <laughs> I thought I'd help you out. You know, you know something? Maybe my perplexed intro has something to do with my perplexed state of mind right now. I'm still scratching my head. I went and I braved it. I firmed it. I went to the cinema on, um, when was it now? Wednesday evening. Oh, my God. I went to see Tenant. Did you wear a hazmat suit? You went to the movies? Yes, oh my yes, God, but you're so brave. the way that they did it, yeah, I, well, you say that, but the way that they did it, I went to what's known as View in the UK, and it's like a, a high-end chain in terms of, um, it's not your, your broken down, run-down cinema. Anyway, they had uh, social distancing to the max, oh, basically in our theatre, there was only, I counted 10 people, and it was so spaced out that... I, I couldn't actually, you know, I, I could have, I could have actually looked to the left and looked to the right, and not have seen anybody. It was really, really spaced out. And um, that sounds actually like, really I, nice, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> you see, it added to the viewing experience. There's nobody chattering. There's nobody rustling, um, whatever they're eating, popcorn or what have you. And it was really, really reassuring that. You know, view went all out just to make sure that the viewing experience was superb, and it absolutely was. Because Tenet, I thoroughly recommend it. I mean, if you are going to be brave and see a film this summer, it's definitely got to be Tenet. Christopher Nolan, I'm a big fan of. I've seen every single Christopher Nolan movie apart from I think it's 1917. Did he do that, or was it Dunkirk? Sorry, Dunkirk. I'm getting my war movies right. mixed up. Um, but Christopher Nolan is a masterful um, director. He, I, I have to say, a very cerebral storyteller as well, because I won't spoil it for you, but this is something which I think you need at least two or even three watches. David or John um, David Washington. Did you know that was um, uh, Denzel Washington's son? No, really? Yes, John David Washington. Uh, choose up the scenery man he was absolutely superb absolutely magnificent and um, Kenneth Branagh um, you know hamming it up as the, as the villain he was incredible and of course um, the, 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 the lady um, or the, the, the romantic interest was uh, Elizabeth Debicki I have to say I'm definitely going to be seeking this out again whether it is that I go and see this in the cinema again I'm not so sure because 
I, I, I don't really want to tempt fate. There's a reason why they put social distancing in. There's a reason why, you know, in the middle of a pandemic that, you know, there is so few people going right. to um, watch movies. But this was way, this is well worth braving it. And um, I can't wait, as I say, um, when I actually have the opportunity, probably on um, uh, digital, to see this again. Mm. You, you, you feel brave? You want to go and see... Uh, you want to go and see Tenet? Um, I don't believe uh, movie theaters are open in New York right now. I think I don't. Oh, really? No, I don't think they're open right now. But even if they were, I probably would not go to a movie theater. No. Hmm. I'm one of those people that's going to let everybody catch Rona first. And then, like, I'm just going to sit back <laughs> and relax and watch, you know, watch from the sidelines. So I'm a bit more cautious with my venturing out. But I definitely probably can find this movie to stream in my home. And I'm going to watch this. I saw you tweet about it, too. So I'm like, I know this is fact. Like, I saw you ranting and raving about this. I meant to ask you, Man, too. It gets my 10 out of 10. I rarely give out 10 out of 10. Because exactly. Let me let you into a little secret. Mm-hmm. I used to be in my former um, journalistic life. That was my beat. I used to do entertainment news views and interviews. So I would walk the red carpet and, like, you know, do um, interviews, um, pieces to camera. For, um, so you're a harsh really critic like, too. Well, because you, you, you were in the I game. It, yes. Well, the, the way that I look at it, that's why I was so thoroughly entertained by this. Because I am, you're right, a very, very mm-hmm. harsh critic. That was my beat. Film critiquing was part of um, what what I actually delivered on a week to week, day by day basis, and um, it was good actually sitting in. Uh, a theatre as a fan as somebody who wasn't actually critiquing a movie but uh, I seriously really really enjoyed it and it really is given out by me as a as a as a, a harsh critic um, yeah. ex-critic yeah, yeah. Um, but I gave it a 10 out of 10 it was absolutely superb I like a movie that makes you think and this definitely was that kind of movie mm, sounds right up my alley let me check it out <laughs> you know I think we need to kind of like get back and uh, segue back to the, the matter at hand and the, 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 the topic, the hot topic at the moment obviously was UFC Vegas 8 which took place over the weekend. Now I'm so glad that you know even though it took a while to be beaten into me I did not miss any of the prelims. What a prelim! Ooh. I mean talk about you know Submission City, yeah. talk about Finnish city I loved it but you know the flip side of that is you know I'll put my hands up mm-hmm. I didn't see all of the main card I was trying really? to catch up before yeah before this show and I only caught the co-main and main event so when we get there you're going to be talking us through your um, well runners and riders yeah. in terms of the main card but let's start off with you know a couple of losses I mean actual losses um Ion Kutalaba, his rematch against um, Magomed Ankalaev. Ion uh, Kutalaba, test positives, pes- test positive, sorry, get the words out, for COVID-19 and was pulled from Vegas 8. Now, is this the Khabib Tony Ferguson of, <laughs> of, the, um, of, the <laughs> of the moment? Yeah, because we just can't seem to catch a break with these two. I have to say, I was really looking forward to this and um, I was really hoping that he'd true to form um, stick with the formula and stick with you know the, the what seems to be you know the hot topic at the moment with the, the, the fainting and 
I, I really wanted to see that on show again because that would take some balls to actually trot that out. Oh, but, but is this is this the um, Ferguson Khabib of the three? <laughs> I think so. I really do. It's just it seems to be a bit cursed, Mike. But I need to poke and prod at the whole COVID thing. Like, did he not? like get a handle of it the first time or was he asymptomatic like I have so many questions as to why the the UFC would rebook this fight in such a short period of time when we know that like when someone tests for it it doesn't necessarily leave your body very quickly asymptomatic or not so it was just Mm. kind of reckless of the UFC I think to kind of rebook this fight and they also rebooked the OSP fight as well and it's also in the same nature it's kind of done you know quickly so and um, quiet as kept, Mike, someone crept into my mentions, and I would say that her name was Nurse Marley, and she was like, hey, how come Mike gave uh, Dana an A-plus on COVID um, <laughs> protocols? <laughs> Look at Kutzlaba, he keeps testing, and yada, yada, yada. So she kind of um, made a similar point, like, how is this even happening with all these, like, protocols and Dana doing such a good job? Because Ah, hold on, y- you hold know? on, just, just press the brakes there. But that proves it's working. <laughs> Come on, I, Nurse Molly. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I'm talking to you. But I do think she does have a point because it's like, I think the recklessness doesn't lie in the fact that they're catching it. I see your point, Mike. Like, it is very yeah. good that they're screening people and catching it. But what's the protocol for rebooking them? And, and um, also the time frame. And what's being, and then it makes you wonder what's being done after they're testing for it? Are they sent home? Are they being treated? Are they, you know, like what's going on? Because he certainly got rebooked very quickly, but yet the virus is still in his body. So. Can I just, I don't know. Can I be really blunt and real with yeah, you? Yeah, go ahead. Always. You know what I'm hearing from what you just said there? You, you, I'm, I'm getting a feeling that you think that they are being um, turned around way too quickly. Dana uh, has got those dollar signs in his eyes and he just wants a card, which basically is... Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's, you, the, that's the feeling I'm getting from what you just yeah, said Yeah, you hit it on the nail there. I think there's some stuff going on here behind closed doors, which is why Dana got the B plus rating on that particular episode that Nurse Marley is, um, you know, poking fun at, because I do yeah. see some holes in the, in the protocol. And I'll give you another example. Um, Ricky Simon, his fight was scraped off of some UFC card recently because one of his mm. cornermen tested. But of course, Masvidal, when his cornerman or coach tested, which was Mike Brown, the fight still went on. So it just kind of depends who yeah. you are in the game and if you produce money, if your fight is going to get scrapped or not. You know what I mean? So, you know, there's still some stuff we could still talk about with COVID. But in the long run, he's, I think Dana is still doing a pretty decent job, though. But back to Kusalab in the fight, my bad. Yeah, you see, that that's my whole thing here in that I, I get where Nurse Marley's coming from. I understand what you're saying, G, but mm-hmm. the fact that they are catching COVID, that's a good thing. At, uh, you yeah. know, and the, the fact that they are, you know, really, really being stringent on their protocols in pulling people, um, I I think it's a positive. And that's why, you know, I stand by my A+. Yeah. I think it's it's better to vet the fighters and to catch COVID rather than later on people fought afterwards and it's a huge scandal. So mm. I do appreciate that very much so as far as the COVID protocols and, and what Dana White is doing. I agree on that okay. part. Well, you know, normally we look at the runners and riders for 
the um, prelims and you know this kind of like dotted about but for me uh, there was so many to go through these are my runners and riders mm-hmm. now we're going to alternate because um, I take it you saw all of the, the prelims Absolutely. right because that, that's your thing yeah. so let's start with Hannah Cyphers now she um, if memory serves me correctly this is the same Hannah Cyphers um, who, who has become the first in UFC history to suffer four consecutive losses in a calendar year. Now, for me, this is a massive comeback now by Mallory Martin. Now, when you think about it, first round, she was down, mm-hmm. but definitely not out. And for me, that was a spectacular end in the second. And um, it looked as though, you might want to rein me in mm-hmm. here, it looked as though someone actually uh, blew their wad in the first first round wasn't expecting it to go to the second yeah I think um, you're absolutely correct I think Hannah did blow her wad in 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 the first round I think she saw an opening she went for it but I don't think Hannah noticed that some of her shots after she dropped her in the first round that was a beautiful beautiful shot but some of her shots in the ground to pound they weren't really landing like that and she was just going crazy and she she really wanted to finish but Mallory remained composed and you never know Mike like maybe when Hannah came out in the second round maybe she felt some type of way about that can you imagine hitting every hitting somebody with everything you got and then they just go back to their corner and come out in the second round like that shit didn't happen maybe you know what I'm saying like maybe that affected her but also too you have to take into consideration the pressure of of what Hannah's going through right now zero and three at the time on a skid Mm. row probably knows she's going to get her pink slip she hasn't been doing the best in 2020 you know and even in 2018 Macy Barber beat that ass you know what I mean so like she's had some (laughs) losses here and then don't forget the hell bows that Angela gave her in full mount the rear naked choke with um, Agapova so she's kind of had a a rough rough stint here so maybe that pressure of losing her job and having to go on the regional circuit got with her too but it doesn't take away from Mallory's performance it was it was beautiful oh definitely yeah the composure yeah speaking of beautiful Speaking of beautiful, and speaking of composure as well, Paula Viana. Now, the thing uh, what kind of like intrigued me about this was the fact that, if you remember, she was the woman who um, beat up a guy who tried to mug yes. her. Yes. Now, she was standing waiting for her Uber, and this, this guy, you know, he got a little bit more than he bargained oh. for. And I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that that was paraded before the news and I'm pleased that they didn't clean him up he looked like shit after she'd finished oh he begged for mercy he asked her to like stop beating on him which I loved and the photos (laughs) looked just like somebody who would be begging for mercy it looked terrible (laughs) you know and good on her which is just what I wanted to see yeah and and that's what you get you know what I mean and 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 that's what he he thought she was a um a prey you know she's a woman out there in Brazil and he thought he could rob her and he got dusted good for him yeah, yeah. I mean, at the time, I, 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 is this the same? Yeah, it's the same Paul of Vienna who was the Jungle Fights um, yes. strawweight champ. That's correct. So yep. <laughs> he definitely picked the wrong one. Yeah, there. and a win over but, um, Amanda Rebus. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, I, I, I don't know about you, but I had trouble seeing the armbar. It was slickly done, but I had to watch at least five times to see it properly. Yeah, I had to like slow it down, listen to the commentators, hit mute, because I just couldn't figure it out. But 
um, Paul Felder helped me out real when I was watching it in real time. It was the elbows mm. that she distracted her with, and then I think she grabbed the other arm. I don't know. It was it was confusing, but utterly amazing and so smooth. And I don't think Emily knew what hit her until she screamed and had to tap out. I speaking of screaming. I mean, that was the theme uh, of the I'm night. Confused now. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was about to say there, there was a lot of screaming going yeah, on. Listen, and like we're talking like banshee like screaming. Yeah, the women were just letting it all out. I wanted to scream in my apartment as well. Remember, because when Mallory got the wind, she didn't even get up. She just yeah. started screaming like she was in a horror film. <laughs> you know, and then Pollyanna, when she got her arm bar, she slammed her hand, her fist on the ground, and she screamed. It was just a lot of a lot of emotion, but. You know, if you think about it, Mike, you can't blame them. You know, Hannah looked devastated. Mm. She was, she knew, you know, she had that skid. And then, you know, Mallory, she had just lost to Verna Jandira Roba. You know, there's yeah. a lot of pressure going Nailed on it. here. Yeah, there's, you know, these they've got a <laughs> lot of anxiety. And then they pull off the win and they're doing it quickly with no injuries. They probably feel so good, you know. Mm, mm. And, and sticking with subs. Sean Brady's mm, sub mm. of um, Christian Aguilera. Aguilera. I want to keep. I want to keep calling him Christiana Aguilera. I don't know why. <laughs> the commentators <laughs> did too. I think. I think one of them made a mistake, like Christina, and then they caught it and they were cracking up. But I can definitely see why. I'm. I'm sure he gets teased a lot. But Mike. Yeah. That arm and guillotine but, though by Sean. What'd you think? Incredible. Oh, Loved gorgeous. It. And 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 the thing is, I was I. I, I'm not sure whether it was the tattoo or I'm not sure whether it's Sean Brady's broad back but I was distracted <laughs> hella distracted I mean that's one hell of a tattoo but his back man is broad I was distracted by his whole body it's like he's just like a cartoon you know like he's just yeah. like a, a full on it's nuts like a graphic novel it's kind of dope and then the one on the back is the most you know you know, jaw dropping. It's huge, but not to take away from his performance or anything. But Sean is the mm. real deal, Mike. Like he's three and zero, nitty gritty type of dude from Philly. He's um, his. You can tell his jujitsu is off the chain because that one arm yeah. guillotine. It just looked like something that Sean Brady does a lot in the gym to me. He just looked comfortable, mm-hmm. and I like the adjustment that he made. He fared well on the feet, but I feel like Christian had the power, and he was staying in his face. So Sean made the proper adjustments to take this fight to the ground, and then he put him in a position that he's most comfortable with and submitted him. And the submission looked kind of scary. Did you see Christian's body on the floor? He looked like he'd been shot or some shit, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. He, he looked like he died. Yeah, it was eerie a little bit. Like when he got up and Christian was still laid out like that and was shaking a little mm. bit. It was yeah. a little eerie, but beautiful performance by Sean. And he's now on my list. Like next fight, I hope he gets a higher ranked opponent and I want to keep an eye on him. I think he's going to do well. Yeah. 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 It was good to see um, Alex Caceres back in action. He looked great. And now after three opponent changes, um, that transition to the back and the swift body lock smooth man it was slick what about that body shot that made austin go for the takedown like he yeah yeah. that that just like stick him to the body and austin took it out out austin didn't want no parts and then you know that when somebody just suddenly shoots for a takedown whatever you hit them with prior to that means that they felt it for them to switch things up and like fuck it i gotta take you down and that's what we saw happen but mike I'm going to say this real quick. When I saw Alex Caceres come out there all corny and happy and shit, I knew the kid was in trouble, man. 
when of course. when fighters come out and they're happy like that and they're just so relaxed and they're not tense and they're being silly man they finna kill somebody you know what i mean <laughs> and I, I i saw the murder she wrote when he came out like that and it was so good to see though and he's three fight win streak mike how great is that now the, the question to you you know that um this was after three um opponent changes this was a large last ditch attempt of keeping caceres on the card but do you give him another chance. Who, Austin? Does he get another shot? Yeah, does he get another shot in the UFC? Now, uh, the reason why I'm asking mm-hmm. this, I'm being a little bit mean, I know when I say this, but he looked horrible. Come on. I mean, uh, am I the only person who's saying this? He looked um, definitely out of his depth. He looked uh, as though um, this was all new to him. Now, I know the UFC is, but he looked as though he should have stayed on the regional circuit. Now, everybody's dream is to go to the UFC. I heard the backstory, you know, the, the fact that, you know, this guy has, he's a family man and mm-hmm. his, his kids were his motivation. But, okay, that's me being cruel. Balance it out for me now. Do we give, or is he given another chance in the UFC? Absolutely not. Allow me to be cruel. Oh, um, no. <laughs> like, and I don't even really think I'm being mean. It's, um, mm-hmm. there was nothing in his performance Although it was a loss, there was nothing in his performance that made me think we need to give him another shot. He, there, we've yeah. seen plenty of fighters, especially during this late replacement COVID time. We've seen late replacement fighters come in there and give it their all, and but yet lose, and we still want to see them booked. I, I, I mean, we just had one last week. You know, I'm drowning in MMA because we have so much of it now. But there, we just had one last week. And as we go into the main card, we could use, um, what's his name as an example? Um, Bill Algeo as an example. He's a yeah. late replacement. But did he not bring it? Mm. He brought the shit. And then now I want to see him fight, but he did lose. I didn't get that from Austin. So I, I don't really mind if we don't see him again and he makes his way back to us after some wins on the regional circuit. I, I don't feel no type of way about that. And I don't think you're being mean. Yeah. Now, I feel I've, I've hogged proceedings because um, those are the fights I caught on the prelim. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you take over from here, guiding us into the main card. But right. um, if I've missed anything on the prelims, do shout about yeah, it. Yeah, Mike, you got to go back and watch Maki Patolo and Impa Kanz. I'm not going to even try to say his name. We're going to call him Impa. I like to call him Mr. T online, but we're going to call him Impa. <laughs> um, he's got yeah. the Mr. T haircut. This fight was superb. I loved it. Um, yeah, yeah it, it's just like a little technical brawl here. And I just, you know, Kasanga's right hand was just no joke. And he was landing it so many times and so hard on Maki's face that after a while, he just started dancing on the outside. He never gave up Maki, but Impa put on a beautiful performance. And Mike, this is another contender series duo here. So those boys mm. come out to fight. So um, when you have the time, go back and check that fight out. But for my main card... I am going to mm-hmm. start with, man, why not start with my favorite fight of the night, Ricardo Lamas versus Bill Algeo. Okay. Oh, my God, Mike. Here's the thing with this, Mike. I loved Algeo's performance because what, I, what we got here was somebody that was like, one, even though Ricardo Lamas is almost not a legend, but he's a well-known guy, it didn't seem like he had any fear or celebrity worship in him. You know what I mean? Like, it was just another fight to him, and he fought him like a dog, and that is the way mm. I, I agree with the way he fought him. He mixed it up, he made it dirty, and he tried to brawl with Ricardo because that's what you do with mm-hmm. someone that is so well-rounded. And I believe Bill won one of those rounds, but it was a back-and-forth round. 
Then finally, Mike, in the third round, Ricardo Lamas, because of his veteran experience, knows that he has to beat the hell out of this kid any way, shape, or form. He gets a 10-8 round with his wrestling and striking and gets it done and pulls off the win. Mike, if you haven't seen this fight, go back and see it. It's old school Ricardo Lamas that brings it. Okay. Yes. I have to say, it vexates me that Algio was on the card. It vexates me that, you know, you got someone like Brendan Loftane. I said it on yep. the last show that that should be his place. He should have been on the main card. He should have yep. been the one who was um, putting in a, a wicked performance. And no doubt, you know, he would be having his hand raised. I think too many people are sleeping on Brendan Loftane. But anyway, but you know what's over. the irony of all this? In this fight against Ricardo Lamas, Bill Algeo went for a takedown when the striking was getting to be a bit too much with Ricardo Lamas. And it's so funny that Brendan Laughlin did that to him and did not get yeah. a contract. But yet in this fight, mm. I see that as a veteran smart move. But Dana did it when Brendan did it to him. It is so bizarre. Mm. But not to take away Weird. from Ricardo Lamas' Thunder Mike, it was really like my favorite card of the night. And if you watch it, you'll be thanking me later. It's pretty fun. Okay. Yep. Um, did you happen to see, what is her name, Ji Yun Kim versus Alexa Grasso? Nope, take it away. Yes, sir. Let me tell you something. Alexa's boxing was superb. But here's what my favorite thing about this fight was. You know me, Mike. I love mid-fight adjustments. In round one, Kim was getting hurt because Kim is known to be a counter striker. And she was landing the harder counters and strikes. And it looked to be a bit more significant than what Alexa was doing. So round two, Alexa establishes a beautiful jab. And then now she's getting the timing and the range right. So now Kim can't even counter her as much as she was before. And now Alexa's volume and output and striking continues. And at no point did she lose her technical prowess. The boxing mic was superb. And and her flyweight debut, I'm impressed. And she should have been fighting here from jump, if you ask me. That's how impressed Mm -hmm. I was. But I know you caught the main event, Robbie Lawler versus Neil Magny. I know you didn't fall asleep on this one. The, the, the co-main event, yeah. Um, <laughs> you set an alarm for this? <laughs> well, well, put it this way, I had to. I mean, exactly. Robbie, to me, is a legend. Robbie, to me, um, in, in my mind, I just see and replayed legendary fights. I was a bit surprised that, you know, he was initiating takedowns, especially, you know, out of the gate. This is what his go-to was. But the corner for me summed it up. Basically, they were saying to him, look, you need to go for it. You need to get out there and get it. And, you know, you need to stop sparring. That was so heartbreaking, by the way, to hear his coach tell Robbie Lawler, of all people, that. It was just so heartbreaking. Yeah, it's not training. I mean, imagine that. This is a legend who's been in wars. And speaking of Mm -hmm. which, it does make me think. I know it's an old cliche, but I feel he has left lots of himself in the cage in previous wars i mean really and truly it it was as though i was looking at somebody who just like his corner was saying was sparring and he he, you know he did need to go for it he did need to um, initiate um the robbie fought like he had 10 rounds to fight like there was no (laughs) sense of urgency i remember the whole night i was like Mm. boo boo it's three rounds you know like Oh my God! Like Robbie, come on, turn it up, or or you know, yeah. It was he literally fought. Was like I can do this all day, and he looked relaxed. He <laughs> looked patient, which was good, but it was just a little too much. Like I got nervous. But go ahead, Mike. Mm. Now, what what I was gonna say is that 
maybe it's just that he has left part of himself in um, in the cage previously, yeah. or maybe it was that the the, the tactic and the the whole um, the whole game plan was to really pour it on in the, in the final round to the point of where he was going to secure a finish because that's what it looked like he was he was doing. Yeah. Or it may be just that his ears started working um, in round two because. Uh, sorry, at the end of round two when he was in his corner because it does seem like he was going for broke when he came out yeah. for the last round. Yeah, I, I agree with you. He did come out and try to, you know, get some things done. But I think it's a combination of two things. I think Robbie is just declining, whether it's his age or whether he's just not as fast as he used to be. You could see Robbie trying to land that right hand. He just literally couldn't reach the dude. And maybe in his eyes or in his mind, it's there, but his body is like, uh, you're just not in your 20s anymore. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and that can happen. And then on top of it, I'm sorry, one of my neighbors is playing music through the windows. (laughs) Um, Brooklyn does it (laughs) again. I know. And I'm like, Brooklyn, shut up. I'm recording. Um, (laughs) When when it comes to Neil Magny, I just feel like it was the combination of Robbie's age and whatever's going on with him. And also, Neil Magny is just that good. Like, this wasn't an easy mm-hmm. fight. Even though I thought it was winnable for Robbie, but I still picked Neil to win because Neil is that well-rounded, will-outwork-you type of guy, and he's very coachable. He'll make the adjustments needed, or he'll come in with an effective game plan, and that's what we saw. He kept Robbie on the outside, and then when they were on the inside, he outworked him in the scrambles and the wrestling. That's it. Come on now. Who, who, who are you fooling? We both know you picked Neil Magny because he's Haitian. <laughs> the Haitian sensation had G's attention. I mean, I love that he's Haitian and I love his like his his little nickname and whatnot. But I'm a Robbie Lawler fan for life. You know what I mean? But I did pick Neil. Yeah. No, but I seriously, I picked Neil for real, for real, because I think Neil was just going to be the better fighter. I had a feeling that yeah. Robbie, in the state that he's in right now, would not be able to figure out somebody that's like in their prime, loving this momentum, and also someone that is just as well-rounded as Neil Magny. And let's not forget how durable he is. Ponzinibbio had to kill him. to, to You know, he had to kick his legs out and beat him down Mm. like you got to beat neil magny up he's pretty tough and i don't think at this age robbie can do that to him right now and you know speaking of um kicking legs from under people i mean that was definitely the story of the main event smith versus rakic because rakic was peppering smith's legs i mean both body and legs but it was just the legs that just were so tight why did he stop Mm. Why did we get this grapple-heavy fucking fight if this guy was kicking? And then it started immediately. I was like, God damn, yeah. here we go with the leg kicks. This is just what we do in the UFC now. We take the legs out, which is a smart fucking plan. And a lot of, and mm. as you can see, Anthony Smith, like a lot of fighters, don't have an answer for them. He thought the answer was to kick the dude back. Nope. But my thing was this. Why did he want to dominate him on the ground like this when he was winning the exchanges? He was faster. He was more fluid. He was landing the harder shots. Michael, why? (laughs) You know, having landed a few leg kicks in my time, and when you hit bone on bone, shin to shin, that fucking kills. And there's only so many of those that you can deal out before you start to say to yourself, you know what, maybe that's enough because I can't feel my leg anymore. So maybe it was just that. And in all fairness, you know, his top control, his top game was absolutely stunning. Considering, you know, I, I, I was talking to Jimmy Manu over um, Twitter on this and, you know, we were talking about oh, who have you got? And Jimmy was saying, you know, it'll be Smith 
via wrestling. It'll be Smith via submission. So given that Smith, you know, is rated quite highly on his submission game and his ground game, you know, I was very surprised that, you know, Rakic was making him look like a beginner. And I also think that's why Anthony Smith had no problem going down on the ground when Rakic went for the takedown. I think, you know, that's why he was falling back on his back because he's like, you know what, I'm a good grappler. And he is. So he, I, but he struggled on the ground. Yes, though. because I think he wasn't prepared for Rakic's strength. And also, mm. Rakic doesn't really present himself or fight like he's a grappler. So maybe he thought the guy was a bit underrated. Who knows? I'm just theorizing. And I also think, too, who knows if Rakic wanted to send a message to his peers? Because maybe he wanted to tell them, hey, I can grapple, too. I'm not just some knockout yeah. artist. And to be honest with you, I don't think this fight got Dana's attention or the fans' attention. But I bet you mm-hmm. anybody in the top five or all the contenders in that division paid attention to his performance because they're like, all right, now this motherfucker can wrestle. I guarantee you his peers are like, all right, we got a contender. But Dana's not going to give him a title shot. I don't think his performance, which was wrestle and top heavy, got him yeah. a push to the, to the title shot. Absolutely not. He's going to have to smoke one more person. No. Yep. I know Dana likes it more when you smoke someone than, you know, to go in there with that kind of like blanket style. Like, albeit that he controlled him and albeit that, you know, he did make him look kind of ordinary given, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people were quite high on his um, his ground game. Um, I don't think that, you know, we are going to see Rakic in title contention nope. anytime soon unless he gets back to his finishing ways. Absolutely. I mean, all throughout the week that the, the promos were kind of like littered with... You know, my boy, Jimmy, getting yeah. knocked out. And that's what people were expecting. That's what people wanted to see. Because he is a good and, um, kickboxer, that, yes. Oh, That's what he's going for. Yeah. Incredible. I've got a question for you, though. Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm being unduly harsh? Again, rein me in. I'm always asking you to rein me in. Um, Smith had, obviously, um, that whole home invasion aspect, which played out a while mm-hmm. back. But something tells me that Perhaps there's a little bit of post-traumatic stress um, related to that. Because don't tell me that you can just shrug off what was essentially a life-threatening incident where your family... You know, it's one thing to have a life-threatening threatening incident around yourself right. and yourself only. But to, to have your whole family involved in it and just the whole way that that played out, I, I guarantee you there's a bit of... Or there's a lot of post-traumatic stress going on there and if he hasn't dealt with it that's probably what's holding him up in terms of you know getting back to the killer instinct getting back to the killer ways getting back basically to the performance that we know and love also too um let's not forget the day and age that we're in of social networking trolls and assholes i to this day last night i got a bunch of mentions on Twitter, yeah. like, oh, this is what happens when you can't beat up an intruder in your house and stuff like that. And I know that a lot of wow. people have said some, like, not-so-nice things about someone breaking into his house and him not being able to finish the dude. But once a, John Jones included. John Jones included. So it's like, I wonder if that took a toll on him. Me, I never judged him for it because I think because of my previous career, I kind of know that... She, it's really easy to say, oh, this, this, and that, and to judge someone when they're in a situation like that. But when shit hits the fan, you don't really know how yeah. you're going to act. And you don't really even have to be a professional fighter to kind of either fight or flight or not be able to handle an intruder that's trying to kill you. And you're, he's a human being. Perhaps he was scared. Mm. It doesn't matter that he's a professional fighter. You're just going to react on instinct. 
and he wasn't able to finish the dude. I don't think that has anything to do with what he does for a living, but perhaps, Mike, it did affect him. But also, he has 50 um, professional career fights, Mike. He's got wear and tear just like Robbie Lawler. He's, you know what I mean? He's just not somebody that has won a title in the UFC or has such a lucrative career as some other fighters. Yeah. But he's got the time on. 50 fucking career fights. I think he's peaked in MMA, to be honest with you. I think he's got a good commentating gig on Fox sometimes. I think he's in good with the company. I think his heyday was when he went on that three-fight win streak, beating up Gus and fighting with John, and he was all over, you know, in the media, and he had a name for himself, and yada, yada. I think that was his time. I think right now, after this, he's going to have a hell of a time getting back into title contention. I just think the wear and tear has gotten to him. I mean, just on, on the wear and tear, I mean, are you with me, though, when, you, we, when we're looking at possible post-traumatic yeah. stress, or am, am I over I, that? I, I, I leave the door open for possibility, if, if I didn't make myself clear. I'm, I'm not sure if that affects him. I know that affects every human being, and he is a human being. Like, I don't, I don't revere these people differently because they're fighters. I think they're humans like me yeah. and you. So, yes, there is a possibility that could have affected him. You know, but I think it's a combination of things. I think, what, you know, you need to take into consideration that incident and the fact that he mm. wasn't able to put away somebody. But then at the same time, you have to think about the wear and tear he's been through. I mean, in his last fight, he was handing a referee his teeth, you know, like and then Glover beat him up pretty terrible. And he gasped pretty bad in the first round. These these losses yeah. and, and, and pain and abuse to your body takes a toll. And True. people sometimes think because he hasn't won a title or he got popular, you know, last year or whenever that was, that that wasn't the start of his career. That's just when you started to notice him. This guy's had a very long and lengthy career. I, I'm yeah, not I'm not yeah. really what I'm long story short, Mike, I'm not really surprised that he's declining, you know, and I think his heyday passed him. I think when he was chasing the belt and he fought John, that was his time. I think now mm. it's time for him to decline. And, you know, he did. Did you see the post fight? He kept um, interviews. He kept mentioning that he didn't expect Alexander to be so strong. And he said it over and over again. Like he literally could not get up from under this man. And this is a black oh, belt wow. jujitsu. Cool. Yeah. And he's and he yeah, admitted yeah. it. You know, he's very honest in his interviews. That's why mm. I like him. He's not the guy that's like, oh, you know, like you saw how Sean Malley's not really taking the loss very well against yeah. Cheeto and he's saying he's the better man he's just this Anthony doesn't speak he's yeah Anthony is not fronting on this one he just is like yo that dude is so strong bro mm -hmm. and it, it even it, the guy's so strong that Anthony was like I need to reevaluate my career and he discussed like weight classes and, and needing more of them you know that's how strong Alexander was and I'm telling you Mike something tells me that Alexander mm -hmm. is so proud of his performance because he sent a message to the other um, light heavyweights about his performance. I'm not just a kickboxer, is what Alexander did last night. The division is yes, on Yes, I bet yeah. you they're talking about his performance. Even though Dana's not, mm. I bet you his competitors are people that now have to fight him for the title or perhaps maybe he, you know, they're talking. I guarantee it. But it's yeah, just fucked yeah. up that Dana isn't. And I wish Alexander had not forsaken the leg kicks because, you know, if he had kept kicking him or maybe knocked him out, maybe then now we'd be pushing for him to fight for the title. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It is what it is. Right. Indeed. Yeah. We've got a little bit of uh, listener mail, which we're going to run through now. So um, as it's already queued up, here's our first voice message 
from Todd Rhino. Hello to all my friends over there at Shots Fired. It's your big homie Rhino from Combat Sports with Rhino Podcast. So I've got a question for this week's show. Uh, there have been several people who were in the UFC who have then transitioned into movies. Randy Couture, Ronda Rousey, uh, Gina Carano. It's, you know, there's been a few who have been in movies. But as far as like a big breakout star, kind of in the same vein as how The Rock went from professional wrestling into uh, movies and becoming a huge star. Who in the UFC or Bellator, any major MMA promotion uh, today, could you see maybe fitting that role and going into movies and being a big, huge blockbuster like action star? Love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Love you guys. Love the show. Talk to you later. I love his question. I, I absolutely love it because we started off with film. I didn't even notice what he was going to ask. I never ever filter these. I just play them. Same. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> what, what, one day we might get a troll. But <laughs> what I loved about what I loved about his question is that it's so timely because I saw the tax collector. Um, must have been about two weeks ago. The tax collector stars uh, Shia LaBeouf as um, he's he's rounded up in that he's playing a um a mexican-american now in that is brian ortega and he was brilliant his performance was smoldering he wasn't actually it didn't feel as though he was acting and that was going over the top he just had a presence and you felt like you know the menace even without you know uh, it was kind of like a few words that he mm-hmm. had, but he had presence is what I'm saying. And I think that's, for me, um, the mark of a good actor. It's about presence. It's not about, you know, hamming up the words. It's not about screaming or shouting or, you know, um, massive theatrics. It's about presence. And Brian Ortega, for me, has got that. So he springs to mind immediately because I thought his his role and his acting chops in um, in the tax collector was superb. How about you? Um, you're about to call me a snob, but I don't think none of them can act. Um, I no, I don't like. I've seen a. Have you seen the tax collector? No, I need to put that on the list. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that one because I'm curious to see Ortega in you know acting. But I don't really find yeah. I don't really find any of the like MMA fighters that cross over into acting to be very good. Like I think hmm. I've seen some Michael Bisbing movies. I've cracked up laughing. I think I don't know. GSP was pretty silly to me. I don't know. But you're gonna laugh at my pick. When I've seen a few <laughs> MMA movies, or not MMA movies, but I've seen Jay Heron from UFC and Bellator in quite a few movies, and I like the way he acts. I feel like, yeah, yeah. I like, um, I can't remember which movies I've seen him in, but he's always in like these action movies, and it's not a really long role, but I like that he gets it done. I think he's a decent actor, and I always get excited when I see him. But I always mm-hmm. giggle or laugh when I see like GSP or Bisbing, you know, like I just can't take them serious. And I don't think they're the best actors, but I like Jay Heron, believe it or not, Rhino. You know, speaking, I know he, he asked us one, but I'm, I'm going to be greedy mm-hmm. here. Speaking of Michael Bisbing, um, there was a role, I think he appeared in oh God, Den of Thieves. And that role apparently was earmarked for Conor McGregor. I think Connor could uh, could be a, a, a good contender to be a, I could a, a see breakout that. acting star. I could see that. And I, I don't think he has to mm. be like a good actor either. Because I don't think Rhonda's a good actor either. I saw her in that Entourage movie and I thought she sucked. Yeah. But 
Um, she brings like a, she still brought Ronda Rousey to the movie. She still brought that pizzazz to the movie. And I think even if Connor was a bad actor, he could bring that to a movie. He could play like some villain mm-hmm. or some European martial artist or something. And I think that would be yeah. hella cute. And he could pull that off. But do I want to see him in like any serious movies or anything like that? No, I think Jay Heron is like the real MMA actor. Okay. Yeah. Well, what did you say he's been in? I've not seen him in it. I cannot remember. Every time, don't laugh, but every time I see like MMA <laughs> fighters in movies, it's always like some Netflix movie or something I'm not paying attention to. And then I'll be like, oh my God, yeah, it's Bisbing right. or it's Jay Heron. But I, he does stand mm. out to me. I'm going to try to find that and remind you of him to look out for him. But that's my put, famous put one. The ta- put the tax collector on, on your oh, list I love as movies. well. Because I also it. want your... I also want your take on, you know, Shia LaBeouf browning up. If 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 you if you were offended by that, oh no, I watch it. I love movies, not a problem. Mm. I watch that soon. So I got one. Here we go. Um, I got one mm. from it's not cage fighting. Kind of plays into the UFC Vegas eight theme, and his question is: Should the UFC introduce women's atom weight? Entertaining fighters like Cyphers are forced to compete at straw weight and can't be competitive since they're so undersized. What are your thoughts, Mike? Women's atom weight. I like widening the, the divisions and I like widening the weight classes. So if we could have an atom weight division, yeah, why not? The more, the merrier. Um, and, you know, you could actually use something like the Contender Series to start, you know, drumming up um, contenders for that. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I'm, as a fan of fighting, I don't care what the weight class is. You know, I can I, I don't have a problem with the, the, the flyweights or, you know, the bantamweights with the men. And I don't have a problem with smaller female fighters. And also, too, some fighters are going to be better off in that um, weight class. Like, can you imagine Michelle Waterson fighting someone and you finally don't hear, oh, she's too big for her or too strong? I swear. Yeah. Every Michelle Waterson fight is almost like a Frankie Edgar fight. Like, she's always the little one, you know? And I want to see what she's like at her at her best or when she's, you know, the in a weight class that suits her. And that would be Adam weight. Yep. And I, I, she could mm. probably be a champ, maybe. Who knows? But we won't know until the UFC, you know, creates this weight class. But I will say this, Mike. I don't think the fans would, would um, clamor to it. They don't like little fighters. <laughs> they don't look how they treat the flyweights every two seconds online i keep seeing somebody like oh scrape the division can you imagine little women yeah yeah, yeah. i mean dj didn't go down all that well did he and uh, we all know how that ended and, up but yeah and let's there you and go. let's say michelle waterson for some reason loses and she can't be the 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 you know the champion of this division and it's somebody else that they're mm. not familiar with they this this mm. that division would drown i think <laughs> they don't like little fighters. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They don't like hobbit fights. And uh, we ha- who we got? We next? just have a silly one. I don't know if we can really answer this, but shout out to Nat Turner with the burner. You have the best name on MMA Twitter, by the way. I love it. Um, Nat. Yeah, I love that yes. Too. Nat. We all know who Nat Turner was. You know that slave rebellion. So go ahead now. Yeah. Um, he said, discuss how Kutalaba defied modern science and caught the runner twice. Shit, he might be patient zero. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it. That, that you know, when you say divine, define modern, uh, defied modern science. I read last week Thursday that 
um, there have been several cases where people have caught it twice. Oh yeah, that's like slowly developing. I've I've been um, yeah I've been doing a lot of read on, reading on Rona, and I've been seeing differences in like the antibodies. Like some people, mm. their cat it's like three months for your antibodies that protect you from Rona to go away because you've had it. And I've seen like yeah. different you know studies and stuff like that. So from what I'm gathering, even though nothing's concrete, sounds like you can get it twice. And yeah. Mike, it also sounds like. Just because, like, you have corona and maybe you get through it doesn't mean it's left your body and you can test positive yeah. for weeks on end. I have yep. a Twitter friend. Um, she kept complaining about, like, I'm not even sick anymore. I'm over the symptoms, but I'm still in quarantine because I can't get a negative wow. test. Yeah, because once you're positive, you still can't be around nobody. So if wow. you get over the symptoms and you're quarantining, but you go and you get the Q-tip swab and it says negative, they're going to tell you, keep staying in your room until it's negative. You know, like, if how, it's positive. How's she managing to work then? Well, I think she's working from home because she's a teacher now. But I know uh, for right. a while she was very upset because it's like she went through it with the symptoms and then it just she got better but she could not pass a COVID-19 test and for those listening that can happen to a fighter look at Kutalaba Mm. he tested and then Mm. you know he tested again it probably just never left his body and he's probably asymptomatic and probably felt healthy and trained and then still had it in his system so it's I don't know Mike the shit is hella complicated and I can't wait for this shit to be over Oh, tell me about yeah. it. Tell me about it. I mean, I, I hear you guys, you, when I say you guys, the Americans have, um, I think you're on, you're on the brink of a cure, which is going to be rolled out. Well, according to um, your, your president. Well, if it came from him, then that's a lie, because he seems to lie about everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it is. Like, nothing he says is mm. true. So, like, if he says something, it's actually the opposite. So, just All wait right. for, like, a scientist or someone from the, you know, like, someone from science to say that's going to happen. I wouldn't take it from <laughs> him. <laughs> Yeah, true. I mean, this is the same guy who wanted us all to drink bleach. Yeah, but and, and anyway. that he also takes the, you know, that medicine too. He, even though he didn't have corona, he was being treated for corona. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! On that note, we'll be back in the midweek uh, edition of Shots Fired. Until then, make some trouble. That's right. Oh, that's right.